Have you ever seemingly noticed that life comes prepackaged with its own set of unique challenges, difficulties, and uncertainties? Uh, I guarantee you that if you think back over the story of your life, you're going to find that in every chapter of your life, there were challenges, there were difficulties, and there were uncertainties. Before any of us ever heard of COVID-19, our lives were no strangers to challenges, difficulties, and uncertainties. And even after COVID-19 becomes a memory and a story that we tell about once upon a time in 2020, do you know what's still gonna be part of your story? Challenges, difficulties, and uncertainties. Now, with that in mind, let me ask you a question. If you could have someone guide you through life with all of its challenges, difficulties, and uncertainties, who would it be? I mean, if you could have anyone take you by the hand and usher you through life, direct your decisions, pick your path, and frame your future, who would it be? In other words, let me ask the question a different way. Who would you be willing to delegate the quality and the direction of your life to? Think about it for just a moment. Who would you be willing to delegate the quality and the direction of your life to? In other words, who would you be willing to trust your life to? Uh, Who would you be willing to trust your life with? Who would you trust making the decisions of your life to? your future to, or let's think about it in some really big terms. Who would you trust your destiny to? Believe it or not, and you may not believe me, but I know your answer. I may not know what you're thinking, and I may not even know what you said out loud wherever you are, but I do know the true answer because your answer is my answer. It's the human answer. And the human answer is who would, be, who would we be willing to trust our lives to, our destiny to, our decisions to, our future to? The answer is, No one. We don't like the idea of anyone guiding us through life, managing us, handling us, making our decisions, determining what we can or can't do. Now, we're human, and being human, we like to choose our own path. We like to set our own pace, and we like to to call our own shots. We're not opposed to counselors, and I have one, and I think everybody should have one, so we're not opposed to counselors, and we're not opposed to advisors, and We're not opposed to friends who want to give advice, and we're not even opposed to the idea of a life coach, so long as in the end we get to call our own play. That's just how we are, that's how we roll. It doesn't make you bad and it doesn't make me bad, it just makes us human. And so all of that brings us to Psalm 23 because Psalm 23 offers us a different vision for how to live our lives. It offers you and it offers me an alternative to me being my own God and you being your own God. It offers an alternative to us choosing our own path and setting our own pace and calling our own shots. It offers us a different way of life. And I would like to add, it offers us a better way of life. So whether you've been reading these words this week or maybe this is the first time in a long time you've been reintroduced to these words, let's listen to these words and hear them hopefully as if it were the first time. Listen to what the 23rd Psalm says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We're gonna talk about that next week and what that means and make sure you're watching next week because you don't wanna miss it. He goes on, he says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And, And here's a verse that we all remember. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What in the world does your rod and staff comfort me mean? We're gonna talk about that. 
He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you didn't join us last week, uh, you may not know that these words of the 23rd Psalm were penned by David. David was the shepherd boy who became the king of Israel. Now, if that sounds like a great story, it's because it is a great story. It's actually, in my opinion, one of the greatest stories in all of the scripture. Uh, I was with a friend this week, we were exercising and uh, he summed up the life of David like this. As soon as he said it, I said, I love that and I'm gonna rip that off. He said, when I think about David, I think of three things. I think of the fact that he was a man's man, he was a lady's man, and then in the end, he was God's man. And as soon as he said that, I said, well, that's brilliant. That, that's exactly David's life. He was a man's man. He clubbed lions and bears to death. He was a ladies' man and it got him into trouble. But in the end, he was known as God's man, a man after God's own heart. Now, the reason I think we all love David's story so much, the reason that we are so attracted to his life story is because in his life story, we see our own life and our own story. Uh, when you take the scriptures and you open it up and you start reading the narrative of David's life, you realize that David's life ran the full spectrum of the human experience. Uh, when you study his life and you are you know, introduced to the events and the emotions, the encounters, the struggles, the, the victories, the losses, uh, disappointments, discouragement, even depression, frustration, anger, you know, all the good and all the bad. When you are introduced to it, you know, as it relates to David's life, it all feels so very familiar because his story reflects our own story. Now, when David wrote the 23rd Psalm, he wrote it towards the end of his life. We talked about that last week. And when at the end of his life, he began to look back over his life, that's when he penned, in my opinion, his greatest song, his greatest poem, his greatest Psalm, Psalm 23. Now, when David wrote the 23rd Psalm, the way that I see it in my head, the way I imagine it is that David wrote the 23rd Psalm from two different vantage points, two different perspectives. The first perspective was this, he looks back over his life from the perspective of being a shepherd, from being a shepherd. Now, David, that's how we're introduced to him in his story in the scripture. He was a shepherd to his father, Jesse's sheep. That's when the prophet Samuel came to town. That's what he was doing when he had to be called in from the fields to his father's house because the, the prophet Samuel wanted to anoint him to be the next king of Israel. And then after Samuel anointed him to be the next king of Israel, what did David do, remember? He went back to the fields because in his heart, he was a shepherd first. He went back to the fields to take care of his father's sheep. And then, you know, years later, after David, you know, slays Goliath and has, you know, one of the greatest victories of his life, King Saul decides that he wants David dead. So David has to go into exile and David has to, you know, begin running from Saul to save his own life. And even then we're told that even though he's not taking care of his father's sheep anymore, David becomes a shepherd to a group of misfits out there in the middle of nowhere as he's running from Saul. And these men that are gonna be attracted to David, surround David, rally around David, they're gonna stand by him through some of his darkest days. This is, this is how we read about this portion of his life in the book of Samuel. It says, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam because he's hiding from Saul. 
Soon his brothers and all of his other relatives, they joined him there. And then this is the part I I love. And every time I read this, I just kind of get chuckled, you know, inside because I think that this is just such a wonderful thing. It says, then others began to come. I mean, it's just like they just were, they didn't even know why they were headed in David's direction, but there they were. They ended up in David's company. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented. I mean, misfits, people who had a lot of problems. David's got a lot of problems. Who's he attracting? People with a lot of problems. David's at his lowest point yet. Who's he attracting? People who are at their lowest point. I mean, this is a group of misfits. And it says that they just kept coming until David was the captain or the leader or the shepherd of about 400 men. Because shepherding and leading were just part of David's put together. They were just part of David's natural bent. It was just who he was. He was always a shepherd, whether it was to his father's sheep or even now to a group of 400 men whose lives had not been the epitome of what a life should maybe look like. But yet there they are running from Saul, preserving their life. And then after all of those dismal dark years and after all of David's disillusionment and depression and discouragement, David eventually becomes the king over all of Israel. And kings in the Middle East in those days were thought of shepherds. So David had been the shepherd to his father's sheep. He had been a shepherd to a group of 400 misfits out there in the middle of the Judean wilderness. And now he is a shepherd to the entire nation of Israel, God's people. And he was a shepherd to the people and kings were thought of shepherds because they were supposed to lead and protect and care for the people underneath their authority. So David, again, he is a shepherd because he's always seemingly a shepherd in his heart first. And then he's a father on top of that. And then when you read the stories of David's family with, you know, his sons and his daughters, and some of those stories are just, they're they're PG-16. When you read through the stories of David's family about his sons and about his daughters and about all the palace intrigue, you realize, oh my goodness, David was trying to shepherd his family and he didn't always do a great job of shepherding his family. Matter of fact, if you think your family is dysfunctional, you should read the story of David's family. It will make you feel better about your family. If you've got some troublemaking brothers and sisters, you should read the story of some of David's children and their brothers and sisters. And so David was always shepherding someone. And then after David, you know, he took his last breath and he died, someone came along and wrote an epitaph that ended up in a psalm to kind of capture David's life. And, and, and this is what the psalmist said. It says that God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep. He brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And, and I just love the thought of this, that if Israel was the apple of God's eye, if if they were the treasure of God's heart, God trusted David to shepherd his treasure. And then the psalmist goes on to say, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart. Was he perfect? No. Was he the best father? Not always. Did he fail as a man? Did he fail as a husband? Yes. But he shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands, it says that he led them because shepherding was in his blood. So when David looks back over his life, I think he looked back from the perspective of being a shepherd because he had always been a shepherd, always loving, always leading, protecting, guiding. That's just who he was. And then it dawns on him as he's thinking about 
thinking back over his life from the perspective of being a shepherd, it dawns on him that his story is bigger than that. His story is better than that. And that's when David looked back over his life from the perspective of having a shepherd. He looks back and sees his life from the perspective of being a shepherd. But, but I think this is when it became really special to David. And this is when I imagine, this is just my imagination and I'm just making this up. I don't have a verse for this. But this is when David was inspired, I think, to really begin writing. Maybe he had a rough outline. Maybe he had an idea in his head about what he was gonna write when he wrote this song. But I believe when he began to think back over his life from the perspective of having a shepherd, that's when inspiration took grip of his heart because he realized, yes, he had been a shepherd, but all along the way, he had been shepherded. He was like the sheep that he had spent his life leading and shepherding. David realized that for his entire life, he himself had a shepherd who loved him, who had led him, protected him, and preserved him through the thick and the thin, through the good and the bad. And as David looked back over, over his life, he realized that his shepherd was the one constant. It was the anchor in his life that he was tethered to, that kept him anchored to stability and sanity through some of the craziest days that any of us could ever imagine. David realized that in every chapter of his life, the shepherd of his life had been part of his story. He looks back over his life and he realizes that in every chapter of his story, he had been guided by someone. Someone had been overseeing him. Someone had been protecting him. Someone had been caring for him. Someone had kept their eye on him. That he had been guided by someone who loved him and protected him. That had been with him through thick and through thin. And th so David, he looks back over his life and now it's from the perspective of having a shepherd and he sees all the ups and downs and he sees all the good and the bad and the ugly and the one thing that was unchanging, the one constant through it all that made the biggest difference in David's life was the fact that David had a shepherd. He had spent his entire life being a shepherd, but at the end of his life, he was struck by the fact that all along the way, he himself had a shepherd. And so I imagine that David, looking back with that perspective, he picks up his pen, inspired in the moment, maybe even gripped with the emotion of it, all, of it all as he thought back over all the scenes of his life. And he pins the words that the world has never been able to forget. The Lord is my shepherd. Right now, David would say in this moment, present tense, he is my shepherd. But I think that David was also saying he has been my shepherd. He will be my shepherd. But now in this moment, David is speaking to this present moment. He's speaking to your present moment. He's speaking to my present moment. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, we've heard this so many times, we're almost numb to it. But I, I just wanna give you some things to think about. The metaphor of shepherd and sheep is used about 700 or so times in the scripture. Uh, and I think that it's probably used 700 times because there's a point that God is trying to make through the scripture using the metaphor of shepherd and sheep. Now, if the Lord is the shepherd, because David is really clear, he holds no punches. If the Lord is the shepherd, then that makes you and I the sheep. Now, the 23rd Psalm has been called the shepherd's psalm. 
but I think it could also be called the sheep's psalm because this psalm is written from the perspective of someone who had a shepherd and it's sheep who have a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep require a shepherd. Now, a word about sheep before we talk about shepherds. Uh, sheep, how can I say this delicately? Well, they're dumb. Uh, they're, they're just not smart. They're, they're not who you think of at the top of the chain of intelligence as it relates to the animal kingdom. Uh, there's all kinds of stories that reflect just how not smart sheep are. And I know what you're thinking. Trevor, are you in a roundabout way calling all of us not very smart? Well, you are very perceptive. And I want you to know that God said it nearly 700 ways in the Bible when he used the metaphor of shepherd and sheep. So this is not me, I'm just the messenger. But when it comes to sheep, we're not the smartest of people, right? You know, sheep are not the smartest, we're not the smartest. Uh, you, you can find all kinds of stories and you know, you could be entertained by it if you just Google it. But you know, there's stories about how, you know, shepherds to demonstrate just how unsmart sheep can be, they'll take a rope at, at the doorway of a barn or something and they'll make the sheep jump over it in order to get out of the barn. And then after about the fourth or the fifth sheep, they will cut the rope and drop the rope. But all the rest of the flock of sheep will continue to jump over the rope that is now no longer there because the first few decided to jump and they just figured, well, if the ones in front of me jumped, I'm gonna jump as well. That sounds just a little bit like some of our stories. I'm gonna do it just because they did it. I'm gonna say it just because I saw someone else say it. You know, uh, There's a story that was reported on the BBC. You, know, you can fact check this. The BBC reported a few years ago that 450 sheep died in just a terrible tragedy. Say, so what happened? Well, we don't know what led to it, but one sheep jumped off the cliff and then 459 other sheep decided to jump off the cliff as well. Now, there was another 1,100 sheep that also jumped off the cliff, except uh, their fall was softened by the 450 dead sheep. They're not the smartest animal. What does that mean for us? Well, you know what it means for us. Our stories are littered with <laughs> dumb decisions. Everybody that's made a dumb decision in your life, wherever you are, with your family, with your kids, by yourself, just, just go ahead and hold a hand up. I know it feels weird, but just go ahead and admit it, own it right now, dumb decision. That's me, have the t-shirt, I go to the convention most every year. Everybody makes dumb decisions and that's why the Bible talks about us in terms of being sheep. Now, also something about sheep, they have a terrible sense of direction. They get lost easily. They get off the path easily. They wander away from where they should be very easily. That's, that's sheep. They have no defense mechanism. They, they don't growl, they don't have big teeth. Uh, when, when lambs get startled, bah. I mean, how intimidating does that sound? Bah. Who's that gonna scare? No one, they have no defense mechanism. They can't even protect themselves. Something else about sheep, they're so easily terrified. They're so easily scared. They can, be, they can be literally scared to death. You can scare a sheep into having a heart attack, a cardiac arrest. Their heart will stop and they will be dead. That, that's, that's how uneasy they are. That's, that's how easy they're shifted off of their internal equilibrium. Uh, they can't swim because they have so much wool. And you know, if they get in water, the wool gets heavy and they're like an anchor and they know they can't swim, but what do they do? They jump in water and what happens? They drown. 
That's, that's sheep for you. Uh, shepherds tell the story about how sheep will go and try to get through a barbed wire fence. I, I mean, just basically wound themselves, hurt themselves. And the shepherd will have to go and get them untangled from the barbed wire fence. And that's on Monday. What's happening on Tuesday morning? The same sheep are trying to get through the barbed wire fence. That's sheep. But more than that, that's us. Sheep require a shepherd. And the point that scripture makes over and over again, as sheep, we need a shepherd. And so David points us, he directs our attention to the shepherd. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. David said, let me tell you who my shepherd is. My shepherd is Yahweh. My shepherd is Jehovah, the one who created the universe, the God who placed trillions of stars in space, trillions of miles away, put them in specific places. And as the psalmist calls them by name, he says, that's who my shepherd is. The one that Isaiah said poetically took his hand and scooped out the oceans with the hollow of his hand. David said, hey, <laughs> that's my shepherd. The, the one who's so mighty and powerful, who weighed the mountains in the span of his hand. David said, that's my shepherd, the one who's all powerful, the one who's all knowing. David said, that's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David says, as I look back over my life, I realize that it was the Lord. It was Jehovah, it was Yahweh. It was the all present, all knowing, all powerful God who is my shepherd. The one who never tires, the one who never wearies, the one who never slumbers or sleeps, the one who knows the end from the beginning. David said, that's my shepherd. And so what David's doing in a brilliant way, he's inviting you and me to think about God in a way maybe that we don't think about him often because it's not part of our culture. We don't live in the culture of the Middle East. We don't live in a culture where shepherd and sheep is just a common occurrence. David is inviting us to think about God in terms of being a shepherd. And this is important. This is important because what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, some of you, when you think about God, you think about God as being an angry God, or you think about you know, God being a scorekeeping God, or you think about you know, God in all of these unhealthy ways that leads to all these unhealthy emotional realities and all of these unhealthy decisions that you make in response to those you know, misheld beliefs about God. David's, David's inviting us to think about God maybe in a brand new way for some of us that we just don't think about God in terms of being a shepherd most days of our life. And so he's asking us to think about God maybe in a fresh way because the most important beliefs you have are your beliefs about God. And how you think about God significantly affects how you see and live your life. How you think about God forms the grid that frames your world, it motivates your action or your inaction. It forms your belief system on which you base all the things that you do, all the decisions that you make. Uh, Dallas Willard, who wrote a great book about Psalm 23, he says that when we have healthy thoughts about God, it will do some really good things for us. It will humble our hearts. It will help us know who we are in response to who God is. It will balance our thoughts. It will, it will keep us from going to one end of the spectrum or the other. It will clarify our perspective. We'll see life better. It will reassure our spirit and it will strengthen our soul. And so if thinking about God in the right terms, in the right ways, through the right metaphors, if that's such a, a healthy thing, if that's such a beneficial thing, then the question is, 
What does the metaphor of the shepherd teach us about God? What does the metaphor of the shepherd teach us about God? Because I think that David, he's speaking to an audience that when they thought about shepherd and they thought about sheep, it was something that was clear to them. It was something that was obvious to them. And it's not as clear to us and it's not as obvious to us. So we wrestle with the question, what does the metaphor of the shepherd teach us about God? And so I wanna give you some things to think about. First of all, I think it's teaching us that God is gentle. Shepherds were gentle. They were gentle with their flock. They were gentle with their sheep. They weren't harsh. They weren't you know, cruel. They weren't rude to their flocks. They were gentle. They understood that sheep, well, they're sheep and they're not the smartest. And sometimes they wander off and sometimes they hurt themselves and sometimes they get into trouble and sometimes they don't learn from the bad thing they did from the day before. But shepherds are gentle with their sheep. And I think David's saying, you know what? I look back over my life and I realize that, boy, when I was doing some boneheaded things, when, when I was just making some of the worst decisions of my life, just dumb decisions, when I was forsaking what I knew to be true, when I was walking away from what I knew to be the right thing to do, he says, I realize God wasn't harsh with me. God wasn't cruel to me. God was very gentle. I love a passage of scripture in Isaiah that says this about God, our shepherd. It says, he will feed his flock. How? Like a shepherd. And listen to this and get the picture of this. He will carry the lambs in his arms. Why? Because for whatever reason, they can't walk themselves. He's gonna carry them through some danger. He's gonna carry them through the dark places, through the difficult places, the places they can't get to on their own. He's gentle enough that he doesn't say, figure it out. He doesn't say, get on up there, let's go. You should know better than this. No, no, he will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And he will gently lead the mother sheep with their young because that's your heavenly father. He's gentle, he's not crude, he's not cruel, he's not rude. He's not abrasive, he's not harsh, he's gentle. And as I look back over my life, I can tell you that in the dumbest decisions of my life, in the darkest seasons of my life, he's been gentle with me. Another thing that I think that we can learn from what David is saying is that God is attentive. Good shepherds know about their sheep. They know how many, they even know them by name. That was the practice in the Middle East. Shepherds would name their sheep and the sheep would recognize their name. God is attentive. Jesus would teach that your heavenly father knows how many hairs are on your head right now. And for some, that's not a big number, but he still knows. He knows everything about you. He knows about yesterday. He knows about this morning. He knows about the tomorrow that you don't even know about yet. He knows about your greatest need. He's attentive to the greatest struggle in your life. He's attentive, he's a shepherd. This is what Ezekiel said, writing to a group of people that had been carried off captive into captivity by the empire of Babylon. He says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, 
I myself, God says, I'm not gonna delegate it out. I myself will search and I will find my sheep. I know they're missing. I know where they are. I'm attentive. This whole thing has not caught me by surprise. I know where they've been taken to. I will be like a shepherd looking for a scattered flock because when my, when my flock is scattered, when they're not present, I know it. They're always on my mind, they're in my heart. I will find my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. And he goes on and he says, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. Because I know that right now they don't have peace. I know the state of their soul. I know the state of their mind, says the sovereign Lord. And he goes on, he says, so I will search for my lost ones who strayed away. I'm not gonna chalk them up to being lost. I'm not gonna say, well, they shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have walked away. So we're just gonna cut our losses and move on and let them figure it out the best they can. No, he says, I'm gonna bring them safely home again. And I love this. I will bandage the injured. I'm not gonna cast them aside. I'm not gonna wash my hands just because they've got into some trouble and they've hurt themselves. I'm gonna bandage the injured and I'm gonna strengthen those for a week because that's what shepherds do. And that's what your heavenly father will do for you. Maybe you're injured. Maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel like you've wandered away. You've gotten yourself into trouble made some bad decisions he knows and he says I'm coming after you and I'm not coming after you to pay you back and I'm not coming after you to teach you a lesson I'm coming after you to bandage up the injuries to strengthen where you're weak and to lay you down in a place where you can have peace what's something else we can understand about God well he's compassionate He's compassionate. Jesus taught us this. In the Gospels, it says that when Jesus saw a group of people who were hurting, when he saw a group of people that had just made bad decisions their entire life and gotten themselves into trouble over and over again, who were just struggling in life, he says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's the reason he's patient with people like you and like me. He's compassionate. He understands. Sin will confuse you. Sin will disarm you and make you helpless. So he doesn't get angry with you. He feels compassion. David said, that's what I've learned. After I looked off the roof and I decided I wanted to meet her and I knew that I shouldn't, And I knew one day I would probably live to regret it. I can just see my shepherd looking and saying, how confused is this man? How helpless is this man? And I look back over my story and David says, you know, I realized that God was so compassionate towards me. So compassionate. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's who he is, that's what he's like. Jesus showed up on the pages of history to give us an even clearer picture of what God is like. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 
He says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them, to give you, to give me a rich and satisfying life. And then listen to the words of Jesus, our savior. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus said, let me tell you how much God loves you. Let me tell you how much God cares about you. Let me tell you how God feels about you. Let me tell you the thoughts that fill God's omnipotent mind, his omniscient mind. Let me, let me tell you about how God feels about you when he thinks about you. He thinks of you as a shepherd would think about his sheep. But even more than that, the unthinkable thought that you would never think that God feels about you as a shepherd who would sacrifice his own life so that his sheep could have life. Jesus said, when you think about God, you should think, you should think about a shepherd who would lay down his life so that you and me could have life. A life that you and I can't have on our own. And the point that Jesus is trying to make, which punctuates the point that I think David was making, is you can trust the one who knows you most and still loves you best. The shepherd knows everything about you, knew everything about David, knows everything about me. He knows things about me I've never whispered out loud. He knows the things about you that you've never let anybody know about you. He knows the worst thing, the darkest moment. He knows it and you know what? He's still the one who loves you best, who loves you perfectly with a love that's unending, with a love that's unchanging. David said, when I look back over my life, I realize I've had a shepherd who's been compassionate to me, who's been attentive of my life, who's been gentle with me, who loved me so much, he would lay down his life so that I could have life. It's no coincidence that when Jesus invited people to come alongside of him in the New Testament, that Jesus used this phrase right here, follow me. In other words, let me be your shepherd. In other words, follow me like sheep follow a shepherd. Let me determine your decisions. Let me pick your path. Let me set your pace. Let me be the one who directs you in the path that you should go. Follow me because no one knows you more and no one loves you more than I do. And if you can trust anybody to follow, you can trust me because I'm gonna lay down my life for you. I'm gonna prove to you that God loves you, that God has always loved you, that God will always love you no matter what. So follow me, trust me enough to follow me because I am the good shepherd. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in this moment that we would follow you that we would follow the good shepherd. No matter what this season of our life looks like, no matter what this season of our life feels like, that we would recognize our need for a shepherd and that we would evaluate to see if there's any part of our life where we're not currently following you. 
And for those who may be watching that have never placed their trust in Jesus as their savior and as their shepherd and as their Lord, I pray that they would do that even now, that they would simply pray a prayer of faith that says, Heavenly Father, today I accept you as my savior and my Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried and I believe you were raised from the dead. And so today I make the decision to follow you as my shepherd for life. The one who will lead me through this life and into the life to come. In Jesus' name, amen.